Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Another brand new week of broadcasts here and such great conversation to have with you today on a couple of projects that I'm really happy about, really excited about. It's Movie Monday and the return of Movie Monday, and I'm hoping that we are kicking off a Movie Monday season. Well, I mean, we kind of did Movie Monday last week with the Strong Daughters, Strong Fathers book and Meg Meeker's, uh, Dr. Meg Meeker's uh, television presentation of the movie on the Great American Channel, G uh, Great American Family Channel, GEC. And if you haven't had a chance to watch it, it's in their regular rotation now. I think indefinitely so but watch it sooner than later because you know how things kind of pop in and then pop out this friday there's a brand new movie coming out uh that is going to bring awareness to a couple of things that i'm a uh, very big proponent of and that is uh helping to have provide opportunities for people with different abilities and also tennis so uh, you put those two together plus rick eldridge is behind it the guy from the ultimate gift and and Man, you just can't go wrong. I can't wait to get into that with you. And also a former ESPN anchor, uh, Rachel Joy Barbeau, is going to join me at the last part of the program to talk about her new ministry and her new podcast. And uh, it's always wonderful to be able to have the opportunity to talk to people who are uh, trendsetters. Rachel was the first uh, woman to ever host a college football game day uh, host for Sirius XM and NAC uh, College National Championship game doing the booth broadcast and She's a remarkable talent. We're going to talk about her new book on finding joy. First, though, I'm going to start with something that we may wind up making this a regular segment here on the Bottom Line Show because it's important, and that is uh, something that I would call a medical minute, and it involves something that is uh, dear and dear to my heart and to yours as well, and that is what? Uh, how do you determine the difference between a problem medically and something that can become overdiagnosed and maybe even overtreated in the culture. We've been hearing more and more about the mask mandates making their returns. There's been a new strain of COVID that's popped up. I know a few people who've been infected with it. COVID, a very wise uh, person in my world who has legal expertise, told me at the start of the last pandemic that uh, that person's contacts in the uh, medical world said that COVID-19 was going to turn out to be an endemic rather than a pandemic, which means it would be like the flu or uh, pneumonia or something that would hit the population every year during the season. And when you got it, you just had to learn how to live with it, you know, get medication or whatever it was. And I found it very interesting that when COVID did in fact hit, that the American Medical Association, Center for Disease Control, et cetera, et cetera, were in really a big hurry to find a quote-unquote vaccine for it without dealing with treatment. I mean, vaccines take years to come up with. The conventional wisdom would be come up with a treatment for this once someone gets it rather than trying to develop a vaccine for it. There was very little emphasis the first year COVID was around on treatment. People were kind of left to their own devices, which is why they went to uh, ivermectin and, and tried Z-Packs and uh, tried a variety of different other uh, remedies to treat COVID. But it seemed like the MO was, oh, you were diagnosed with COVID. Uh, therefore, we're going to put you in the hospital. We may have to put you on a ventilator, which is uh, arguably, I'm not a medical professional, but if you are trying to keep someone alive, you just regurgitate their you know, air through a ventilator and the ventilator kind of keeps you breathing on your own. You can't do it. It's not the cleanest way by any stretch of the imagination. 
And if someone has a virus like COVID-19 in their system and you're on a ventilator, you're basically repumping the COVID breath and air and oxygen back into your system. It's not the best way to go. From what I understand, you're actually better off on an airplane where they're cleaning up and recirculating and re-cleansing all the air every two minutes, they tell us. Well, before COVID had the kind of crazy treatment type of situation, um, the American Cancer Society really went all in on cancer screenings for people of all different backgrounds and all different types of cancers, breast cancer, prostate cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, testicular cancer, the list goes on. Breast cancer arguably became the easiest to sell to American women. Get your breasts checked every year, get your mammogram, uh, do self-testing, do whatever you have to do to make sure that you are uh, cancer-free. And then there was the issue of the diagnoses, and all of a sudden, it almost became a badge of honor. And, and I don't mean this to minimize the pain or the impact that someone has gone through. A dear friend of mine recently, uh, his wife was diagnosed with stage one breast cancer, and all of a sudden, they were treating it like it was that, uh, remember ER? Back when, who was it? Uh, the Anthony Edwards character? <laughs> they were writing him out of the series. He had inoperable cancer, so he quit his practice and took his family to Hawaii for a while, and that whole Somewhere Over the Rainbow with the ukulele became so popular. That's kind of what their family did. It was stage one. I mean, we're finding now that people are battling back from stage four. But you have to ask the question. I'll never forget my former neighbor years and years ago. First home I ever bought was a condo. And it was a duplex, so it meant you had a shared wall. And the neighbor on the other side of the wall, lovely lady, Christian woman by the name of Ruth Monocle. And Ruth had developed uh, cancer as she got older. She was 85 years old when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I'll never forget the day I came home and she had a hospice worker with her. They, you know, she was going home to be with the Lord, so the hospice didn't bug her at all. But I said, Ruth, how you doing? She said, Raj, they took my booby. I said, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, they told me I had breast cancer, and so they took my booby. And I asked her, well, why? I said, well, because they said I didn't need it anymore. Well, three months later, she was with the Lord. But we both questioned the wisdom of saying, hey, look, no one wants to die of breast cancer. We get that. No man wants to die of prostate cancer. And yet the majority of men, maybe not the majority, at least a third of men over a certain age, when they die, you'll do the autopsy, you'll discover that if prostate cancer did not get to them, it was going to get to them. This year in the United States, more than 240,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. But a new report that was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine is beginning to ask the question, why is it that we seem to be finding so many older women diagnosed with breast cancer? And why are we doing such heavy level of treatment, quite frankly, because, I mean, let's face it, life is happening and taking its course. A study involving 54,000 plus women ages 70 and older was analyzing breast cancer diagnoses and related fatalities over a 15-year period. Here's what they found. They found that women over the age of 74 have frequently been excluded from large randomized screening trials. And so... The question was, well, how do you know if maybe we're underdiagnosing breast cancer? How do we know how common it is? The idea was, well, we, we usually will count you up to around 70, 71 or so, but once you're over 74, we don't check it out. So this new study actually looked at women between the ages of 70 and 85 
54,000 plus women in the survey, and they did it for 15 years, did a follow-up period after that. The results from the report indicate that there's a good chance that women between the ages of 77 and 74 were overdiagnosed by 31%, as a matter of fact. 47% of women ages 75 to 84 were overdiagnosed, and 54% of women age 85 and up. Now, what you're referring to overdiagnosis, basically what the doctors are saying is this. There comes a point when you want to identify the cancer, you do a mammogram, you do whatever you're going to do. But at some point, there used to be, a, a, I guess, an ideal, a standard in our society where if a person reached a certain age, not that the doctors weren't concerned that they might get cancer or you know high blood pressure or something like that, but they began to realize, hey, look, at some point your life will end. And why are we doing these heroic measures? But can you imagine, according to this new 15-year study, first and foremost, the fact that very few women age 74 and older were even surveyed prior to this study. And then overdiagnosis, basically meaning, hey, the breast cancer is so relatively small, it's not going to be the cause of fatality. Why are we doing radiation, chemo, and mastectomies of women over the age of 70? 31% of women aged 70 to 74 in this survey had been overdiagnosed. 47% of women aged 75 to 84 and 54% of women aged 85 and older. This is where the sanctity of human life takes over, brothers and sisters. This is where we look at a person's quality of life and ask the question. My wife has an expression for my mom and dad. My mom and dad are both 90. Her mom is somewhere in her 80s. We don't ask because that isn't polite. I don't anyway. She, she was on the phone with her sister last weekend and they were discussing, she, Thais asked how my mom and dad were doing and, and, and Lisa said they are living their best life to the best they can right now. Everything under the circumstances. Yes, it involves uh, wheelchairs and catheters and rides to the doctor and stuff like that. But in terms of having present moments and meaningful moments with the people that they love, waiting for God to punch their ticket as they make that final lap around the stadium, however long that takes, it's golden. And it's really precious to see that happening. I'll put that article up at thebottomlineshow.com in case you want to take a look at this phenomenon of saying, hey, look, there has to come a point where we ask the patient, do you want this? Not we just say, oh, it's breast cancer, you're going to have surgery. Oh, it's breast cancer, you're getting radiation. Oh, you're getting chemotherapy. Let's show some dignity to the people who are facing these diagnoses and their families. Put a link for the article up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, I always marvel at the advances in modern medical technology, especially as I see the quality of life improve for people who were born with some challenges, like a, you know, a, a mental a cognitive issue, learning disability, maybe a I was listening to Dr. Dobson's family talk about an upcoming program. We have about a woman who was born with legs that were horribly deformed and she had to have them removed and prosthetics put in, problem with her hand. And yet we see people doing amazing things. I have to admit, up until last week, I had no idea that there was a World Games for the Deaf, kind of like the Olympics for deaf people. I also did not know that they played tennis in the World Games for the Deaf. And I also did not know that in 1985 in the gold medal men's tennis game was one of the biggest, most improbable comebacks in the history of sports. 
features a guy by the name of Bradford Minns, 20-year-old student at the University of Toledo, who was literally facing his back to the wall. We're talking game, set, and match. He was down two sets to love. He was down five games to nothing. And he was down 40 love, or love 40. So triple match point. And he wound up coming back to win. Brad's story is remarkable because he was born with a hearing challenge. By the time he was three, he was losing most of his hearing and declared deaf. But he became a championship tennis player, and he is one of the most inspirational guys you'll ever want to meet. Rick Eldridge, the guy who gave us the ultimate gift, has put together a movie about Brad's life. It's called Never Give Up. It's Brad's mantra, if you will. And what's amazing about this movie is it's going to be releasing this Friday in theaters to kick off uh, Deaf Awareness Month, which is the month of September every year. Rick Eldridge is going to join me to talk about this great new movie coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show today. I'm Roger Marsh in Southern California, joined by Rick Eldridge, who is in uh, Orlando, Florida right now. And Rick is a busy guy. He's put together so many great films that we have discussed here on the Bottom Line Show over the years. And he's got another one that's near and dear to my heart because of the tennis aspect. It's called Never Give Up. And we have a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. The movie is in theaters this Friday, September 1st. Rick Eldridge, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. Hey, it's great to be with you again. Thank you. you. Rick, you have such a legacy of great films. Would you care to brag just a little bit on maybe two or three of your favorites? I know it's kind of like saying which are your favorite kids, but uh, oh, um, which yeah. ones have really touched you the most over the years? Well, you know, it's every every story has so many stories that have happened around them. Uh, my very first film that I did on my own uh, was Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius, mm -hmm. which, uh, mm -hmm. golf movie 20 years ago now, believe it or wow. not. Wow. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was just going through the warehouse and I pulled out a T-shirt that had uh, opening this spring. <laughs> Exciting. So I'm thinking, wow, that was 20 years ago. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, that one, uh, you know, just is, it did very well and continues to do very well. And uh, very proud of that. Another one that I've loved, uh, I guess, The Ultimate Gift. Yeah. Uh, James yeah. Garner, Brian Dennehy and Abigail Breslin had a great cast, uh, along with Lee Merriweather and Bill Cobbs and, yeah, you know, we did a trilogy of films around that, and those movies continue to play. And uh, you know, that's that's what you love is to you know, ten years later, you're still seeing that stuff out there, and uh, you know, all over the place. And uh, that that's real rewarding. It really is. You know, this new project follows that pattern, if you will, in terms of movies that you have a passion for. There's a faith component. In this case, there's a sports component, not unlike Bobby Jones. Uh, talk about how you came across Brad's story and what made you want to bring it to the big screen. 
Yeah, well, you know, I get scripts every week. I, you know, everybody has an idea. You know, you should you should do a story on my daughter, or you know, there's there's so many things that you get sure. across the way, and and that's kind of how Brad came too. I, I was uh, going to a little Bible study with about twelve other guys here in uh, Winter Park, Florida, and uh, one of the guys said, "Hey, I know a great story," and I'm thinking, "Yeah, okay," <laughs> uh, but uh, he gave me a book, and uh, I read the the book about Brad's life. And uh, Brad, uh, you know, at the time and still does live in Orlando, although he's from uh, Toledo area and, and uh, of Ohio. And so I read the book, and 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 that was that was neat. I enjoyed it. I thought he had some great stories and and uh, and, a, and a remarkable you know overcoming of of his uh, his his deafness. He became deaf at the age of three. So here's a young kid who's listening to his mom and dad and hearing everything around him. And all of a sudden, all of that's got off. So that was interesting. And then I met him and uh, he and his wife came and met my wife and I for dinner. And, uh, and I saw the, the joy and the enthusiasm and the, the, the he, he's just a very charismatic personality. And um, you know, once you, you meet someone like that uh, it was like, wow, this is a, it's a great story, but what a great guy. And what a great opportunity to give him a platform to be able yeah. to share his life. Uh, you know, Brad became deaf at the age of three. His parents decided to let him learn to read, read lips rather than uh, sign. Uh, you know, they, if, if he was going to do the sign thing, I mean, everybody around him would have to sign or he would have no conversation. Right. So they taught him to read lips. Very difficult, but uh, I, he's remarkable. Uh, that first time I met him, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of asking my wife, you think this guy's really deaf? <laughs> as long as he's looking at you, he can mm-hmm. pick it up. And you know, he's learned very well in conversation to say, you know, if he doesn't quite understand it, to say, you know, you know can you repeat that again or or whatever. But he's getting all of it. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and at the same time, when the waitress comes up and says, would you like more coffee? He's ignoring the waitress because she thinks he is. <laughs> and then you, know, you almost have to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you want coffee? Uh, but when he's looking right at you and, and reading your lips, uh, he, it's amazing. It's remarkable. Uh, he has a little bit of a an impediment when he speaks, mm-hmm. nothing that you don't understand. And so um, uh, a remarkable guy. And so when we saw that, saw the story, uh, the, the themes of, of where we're coming, the themes of of perseverance, uh, you know, story of just what a, a great family and love and caring can be uh, amidst this young kid growing up in the '60s, where you know, ear you know, earpieces were not what they are today. Right, you, right. You can, you can kind of hardly even know a guy's wearing one, but uh, he was fitted with earpieces at least so he could at least hear some rumble around him and know stuff mm-hmm. was happening. Um, and back then, it it almost looked like a bra. I mean, he had strapped right. around <laughs> you and. So he's bullied, made fun of in junior high school. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine. And so he had so much to overcome in that way. And, and even several, you know, administrators and teachers that would say, wouldn't he be better in an institution? I mean, we can just put him away somewhere and let him be with people of his own kind. Uh, But his mom and dad were very persevering in that and, and taught him that as well. And uh, so he, he really overcame so much. Mm. In fact, the best lines in the movie and we haven't gotten to that yet, but Brad goes on to, he takes up tennis, goes on to win the World Games 
uh, gold medal round uh, in a probably the biggest come from behind victory on a tennis court anybody's ever seen. In fact, it was uh, plastered all over Sports Illustrated. Uh, biggest come from behind victory ever on a court in pro, college, collegiate, whatever. Uh, it was 1985, and the um, the games were in Pepperdine uh, uh, University at the time, and uh, and Brad was down two sets, five games, forty love. Yeah, you can't get any more down than that. I mean, that, no. that, that's that that's I mean, that's two outs, bottom of the ninth. You're down to your last strike. You're down fifteen yeah. to nothing or something. I mean, it's just it's incredible, and it's just you. That's the thing. I'm talking with the Rick Elders today here on the right. Bottom Line, the producer of the brand new movie called Never Give Up. The Brad we're talking about is Bradford Minns and his remarkable story of uh, winning in one of the largest comebacks ever, the 1985 World Deaf Games Men's Singles Tennis Championship. But the idea. Uh, Rick, that you you start with a story like that, you know, the opening four or five minutes, you're like, okay, what in the world did I just walk into? You know, people are waving their hands at the tennis match. This yeah, guy's got 40 love and three. And to have this, the, the chair come in and say, uh, this is game, set, and match point, you know, and there's like three of them. You're like, how is this guy? And, and, and his prayer is so simple. His faith is so simple. And yet it's very, very deep and profound. Absolutely. Yeah, my pastor, uh, David Chadwick, uh, wrote a book called Three Word Prayers. Mm. And uh, it's, a, it's a pamphlet, really. It's a very small book, but it's it's full of three word prayers. And, uh, you know, God tells us to pray without ceasing. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a three word prayer that Brad, at this you know moment, uh, you know, not even really strong in his own faith. But, of course, he had grown up with that with his family. And, uh, you know, it just so happened his family would travel around with him when he played. Uh, they had plane issues, didn't make it. And so he's looking up in the stands. Mom and dad's not there. He's down to his last point. And he just throws his hands up and says, God, help me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Three word prayer. And uh, boy, how many times have we needed that? You know, just to, uh, but but the the pamphlet we're actually giving away at the um at some of our events because the, the, the booklet is about three word prayers and God hears all of our cries. And um, so that's a big turning point. And uh, of course uh, uh, it, it, it's history now, so I don't have to spoil the story. The story's really him growing up and overcoming, but he wins. He wins the gold medal, comes all the way back. And uh, what an amazing match five plus hours uh, that it takes to, to do this. Stan Smith is a color commentator for the movie, and Stan scores an iconic tennis legend. Uh, he was a, a number one, uh, one, one Wimbledon, one U.S. Open, uh, and uh, so it's it's really great to hear Stan kind of correlate some of his, you know, on on the the court antics around the the match as it plays, and uh, the story the the match is really gives you the 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 you know throughout the whole movie we see the match. But the story's really him through his life overcoming. We flash back at, at various points through the movie and see Brad at four different ages as he's growing up and dealing with life and learning about tennis and and uh, becoming who he is. And uh, so it's pretty pretty exciting to see that and to understand the things he dealt with. Uh, it was difficult as a producer to hire four Brads that yeah. be convincing enough, look alike, uh, enough to where you could say, okay, I could see how you could grow into that. Uh, also, be able to play tennis at a yes. very high level. Uh -huh. That, that <laughs> was the one be thing. Able to do, yeah, the depth thing and be a great actor. It yeah, was Rick, tough. Rick, just to inter interject here, I'm talking with Rick Elders, the producer of the brand new movie Never Give Up, which 
theaters this Friday, September 1st. You need to get tickets, and we'll put a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. I am a real nut for that kind of aficionado type of thing. I watched a movie yeah. recently about a, a young woman who was playing a violinist, and you could tell she barely learned how to hold the instrument, let alone yeah. look like she was playing it. Everyone in this movie, and I, I give you high kudos because I have a, a bonus daughter and son-in-law <laughs> who both play Division One tennis, and yeah. my wife and I get out there and you know mess it up on the court every now and again, too. One of the first things we looked at and said, okay, those people know how to play. And I appreciate that so much because, yeah. like you said, that, that's not easy to find the four boys or young yeah. men to play that port, the, the different portrayals, but then to find yeah. enough tennis players who could actually make it work too. And kudos to you for, for holding yeah. that line, Rick Eldridge. I really well, appreciate thank it. Thank you. It, I think it was, I mean, it's, it's so we're doing Olympic, you know, quality pro tennis. Yeah. So they, they can't just dink it over the court, you know, to be able to hit the ball. Uh -huh. uh, and we were really so fortunate to find um, Harrison uh, to, to play the, the role of Harrison Stone, uh, who is a pro tennis player, happens to, uh, he got his degree in communications while he was playing in college at Alabama. And um, and, and so he, he loves acting. He does that on the side along with his tennis that he continues. And, uh, and then his nemesis, uh, uh, Roland Evan, who is the same. He was a D1, uh, you know, recruited high level tennis player. And so mm -hmm. it was great to watch these guys play. And, but even in the younger ages, I mean, by the time Brad was 14, he was beating the number one guy on his high school team. Right. So we had to have a 14 year old that could hit some balls too. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so there were, there were a lot of challenges, but I'm so pleased that we were able to pull it off and in a way that uh, that's, that's really real and authentic and convincing. Well, this is a great conversation and a powerful project I highly recommend. Uh, the brand new movie, Never Give Up, the Brad Men's Story, is in theaters on Friday, September 1st. We will have uh, all sorts of uh, incentives for you <laughs> to be calling in at the end of the program today. But we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, more of my conversation with Rick Eldridge, a couple of casting decisions that he made in this movie, Never Give Up, that I want to get into it with him about. We'll do that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Rick Eldridge is my guest today here on the program. And we're talking about the outstanding new movie that he is the producer of called Never Give Up. It's the story of Bradford Minns, who was the 1985 Deaf World Champion in, uh, in the Deaf World Games in 1985. He played in men's tennis and played in arguably the greatest comeback match in the history of professional tennis. Uh, the movie releases in theaters this Friday. And to commemorate that, we have a copy of Brad's uh, autobiography to give away. We also have a Never Give Up t-shirt and a special commemorative tennis ball. Three different giveaways that we're giving away today here on Movie Monday. So we're going to have three different winners today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, my, the conclusion of my conversation with Rick Eldridge talking about the great tennis movie, Never Give Up. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process, it's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. 
praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. I'm talking with Rick Eldridge today here on The Bottom Line. Movie Monday edition of the broadcast. And this Friday, you want to make sure that you have tickets to go see Never Give Up. It's an outstanding sports story. If you like the kind of overcoming aspect, even if you're not a tennis player, you will be uh, blessed by seeing this movie starring Harrison Stone, who plays a young Bradford Minns, who uh, winds up literally accomplishing the impossible in the 1985 Deaf World Games, where he wins the men's singles championship in one of the greatest comebacks in uh, in sporting history let alone just in the in the deaf games the ensemble cast rick is just phenomenal and i really appreciate you know when i saw that aaron bethay and drew stone were going to be in there my first thought was oh yeah and then I went okay you know kind of like this ought to be interesting and i honestly forgot i was watching the two of them when i was watching the men's uh. household talk about what it was like to work with people who you know it's a big challenge right on the one hand you know everybody goes oh aaron bethay from fireproof and old hallmark movies and 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 i know you know that that who she is you don't want to be so focused on her that you forget that she's playing brad's mom right talk about yeah that. it was uh uh, you know, her and and uh, and Drew, uh, you know, I worked with Drew on The Ultimate Life, which was uh, kind of the second in the trilogy of uh, The Ultimate Gift Trilogy. So I knew Drew really well. And uh, in casting, I, I wanted to really capture Brad's mom and dad in the best we could. Uh, he loved them. They had such a close-knit family. And uh, and his mom had actually just passed away about the time mm. that I met him. And so it was just very vivid in his mind, too. So as he described his mom and his dad and started talking about who they were, and his dad was this big, vivacious, outgoing, life of the party, you know, uh, he was just a fun guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so I'm thinking, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that could be true. Totally. And then he talks about his mom and I said, well, that could be Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, uh, so I called him and I said, you guys have to do this. And uh, so they, they certainly resonated with it and, uh, it was great to have them be part of it, uh, they, and they were perfect for Brad's mom and dad. You know, he uh, he, he he absolutely one hundred percent you know loved them and cared uh, that, that 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 be portrayed in the right way. So uh, the the young Brad that we found, um, Thomas, who uh, we he he's in Karate Kid or the uh, the new Karate Kid, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know the 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 series now that uh, that's been, that's out on in Netflix and such, and. Uh, He's uh, he's fantastic. He it's funny. Seven year old kid. This is a little trivia piece. So he, we're thinking, OK, he looks great. He's a great actor. You know, he's done a lot of work. Cobra Kai was the, the show I was thinking about. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the kind of the remake of, of Karate Kid mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. So uh, I bring him in and and uh, and he's he's you know, he's learning how to play tennis at that age, at the age of seven. He's kind of got the the speech impediment down. He's a great actor. He knows all of his lines. Then the first day we're on the tennis court, you know, he's he's learning how to play tennis, and and I'm I'm standing next to his mom, and she says, you know, he's left-handed, and of course <laughs> right-handed, and yeah, so yeah. he's learning how to play tennis right-handed. Oh my! Uh, and I'm thinking, oh man, this could be a disaster. <laughs> but um, I mean, simple little thing like that. What a stupid producer! But uh, no, no, I did the right thing, and he was sure. he, he picked it up. I mean, it was 
it worked out well. I mean, he's he's a good athlete, and so he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it did look like he was swinging the racket for the first time because yeah. he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Rick Eldridge is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Special Movie Monday edition of the program. And we're talking about a brand new movie that will uh, that will inspire you, that will motivate you, that will help you grow in your faith, too. The movie's called Never Give Up. It's the true story of Bradford Minns who was the 1985 Deaf World Games uh, champion in men's tennis and uh, in a very inspiring, uh, amazing comeback. And yet when you see everything that led to that point in the uh, painstaking detail that the producer of The Ultimate Life and Ultimate Gift has put given to us in Rick Eldridge, um, it, it's one that it, it's enjoyable, it's entertainable, but it's also uh heart-tugging and inspiring too. Rick, we've got a couple minutes left in our time together, and I know you're busy this week with a lot of premieres and red carpets. Um, The reason for opening the movie this weekend and taking a wide release as opposed to saying, let's find a Fathom Events one or two and let it go. I I know that there's a timing issue here. Talk about that. Well, US Open is happening in in, in New York. And so uh, Stan Smith's still very active, very involved in the US Open. So... uh, We'll have some presence there. Everybody's going to be thinking about tennis. Uh, yes. and it's also September is Deaf Awareness Month. Excellent. So uh, all of that kind of dovetails together for us. And I said, what a perfect time. So the, the next thing you do as a, as a producer looking at movies is you go and say, okay, what's releasing September 1st? Well, everybody stayed away from that weekend because mm. uh, it's Labor Day weekend. And, uh, and I'm thinking, but... You know, people do go to movies and this is perfect for us because it hits, you know, two of our our, our top elements. And um, so we we partner with Regal Cinemas and Regal is doing a fantastic thing. We're doing an open caption premiere at Union Square in New York, uh, inviting the deaf into the theater uh, for the first time they've ever done this. Wow. It's an open caption screening of the movie. And um, that'll be a big press event that we do leading up to... Uh, to, to September the 1st also. So um, really some great reasons to, to, to bring it to that date and, uh, and bring awareness to, uh, uh, to, to all of those issues. Um, uh, everybody be thinking tennis. And so we, we love it. It's going to be, great. I love it. Well, the, the synergy, the timing, and, and I love the way God opens doors for faith projects and says, okay, this is, you know, who would have thought that the last weekend in September, middle of October, these kind of crazy times, but we've seen him really spin straw into gold in terms of uh, Hollywood magic. And so the, the I have high expectations, and I know you do too, for the great new faith, faith, faith-based film called Never Give Up, the true story of Brad Minns, and uh, the incredible work that God does in and through this guy and continues to do even to this day. Uh, the movie Never Give Up is in theaters on September 1st, and we've got a link for the trailer at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Rick, we've got a couple of minutes left. What's new on the horizon for you, and how are things happening in brad's world these days well uh brad's just uh, he's he's as busy as i am and loving it you know he's very active doing uh doing interviews and 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 i really uh he's such a charismatic guy and such a he he just focuses everything back to to god and god working in his life so really excited to see this platform for him Uh, for me i'm writing a story with uh, two of my sons and one of our other writers uh uh, that uh, we we kind of partnered on a movie called The Mulligan uh, a couple mm-hmm, of years yeah. ago, mm-hmm, and yeah, uh, we're writing a western. So uh, oh fun, be a western set in the uh, in in the Florida uh, you know, middle of the state Everglades, 
uh, very historical period type piece. Um, a lot of people don't know, but before the pioneers went west, they went south. So mm. kind of our 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 cell line is uh, before the Wild West was the Florida Wild. Mm. So that's a little tease. Uh, we're writing it. Uh, we hope to shoot that early next year, and uh, pretty excited about that. I think that's great. Well, you mentioned the mulligan. And when I had Pat Boone on, he was auditioning for work every time he opened his mouth. I mean, you just oh, say, yeah. I could still do this. I could still do this. Look at the. And so I hope you wrote a, wrote a part in there for Pat. I mean, because. Oh, I'm man, sure I, I should. He's, yeah, we, <laughs> we would love to have Pat back. Uh, uh, he just doesn't stop. He's yeah. uh, 89 years old now. Incredible. And he's not even ready to stop. He loves. Incredible. Uh, I talked to him the other day. He just recorded a new song and it's out on Spotify. And there you go. It's called Grits. <laughs> it's <actually laughs> kind of fun. But uh, just uh, love, love his spirit and attitude. And I want to be him. I want to make it that yeah. far. Yeah. Hey, Rick, where, where's the best place for us to find? We'll put the link up for the movie, of course, yeah. NeverGiveUpFilm.com at the bottom line show.com. But for your projects, too, where, where's the best place for our listeners to find you there? Uh, they can go to realworks.net and it's just realworks is two E's R E E L W O R K S works.net like the film reel and, uh, and see some of our past stuff and some of the things we're working on. All right. Well, we will put that up there as well. Rick Eldridge, the brand new movie, Never Give Up in theaters this Friday, September 1st. It's U.S. Open kickoff week. It's also uh, the beginning of Deaf Awareness Month. And the Bradman story is a perfect vehicle to kind of help honor both of those and, and also give glory to God at the same time. I don't know how you keep doing it, but uh, we, we're <laughs> grateful that you keep doing it. Rick, thank uh, you so much for your your passion for this. And thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you. Thanks for helping uh, helping us get the word out. We really appreciate it. What a fun conversation. What a great dialogue. And uh, what an impressive uh, and encouraging spirit from Rachel Joy Barbeau. The book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight for It. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And uh, here on this movie Monday, one more freebie to give away. We've got a copy of Rachel's book. We'd love to place it in your hands at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number that gets you through to the bottom line. You're going to love this book, um, and I encourage you, if you uh, only caught part of the interview, go back to our podcast and, and listen to the entire uh, discussion, because I think if you uh, have had that moment where you kind of feel like you got your knees cut out from underneath you by the rest of the world, um, the joy of the Lord will definitely be your strength and shield. 800-227-5278 for your copy of Relentless Joy by Rachel Joy Barbeau. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. My thanks again to Rick Eldridge, the producer of the outstanding new movie called Never Give Up, the story of Bradford Minns, M-I-N-N-S, uh, the winner of the gold medal at the Deaf World Games in 1985. He won the men's tennis championships, which is pretty remarkable considering he only made that team just a few weeks before the games themselves. Played competitively in tennis at the University of Toledo, a pioneer for the hearing impaired, and Brad went officially legally deaf by the time he was three years of age. Wore all sorts of different hearing apparatus to help him overcome that, uh, uh, that deficit that he had. And if you've ever played tennis or any kind of sport, you realize the sound is essential, you know, for where does the ball, you know, when the player hits it off the racket, what does it sound like coming your way? Can you hear footsteps? You know, there's all sorts of things. Can you hear the wind? I mean, the things that the, the, the hearing players just take for granted, 
Brad's accomplishments on and off the court are pretty remarkable. The movie Never Give Up is very inspiring. We have a Never Give Up t-shirt that we're giving away. We have the copy of Brad Minns' autobiography and a, a very special, I mean, it wouldn't be a tennis movie without a commemorative tennis ball, right? Three different prizes for you to win. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, that will, uh, we've got three different winners, by the way, for all three different gifts. Yeah, I mentioned before the break how important it is for us in the body of Christ to let our voices be heard in the marketplace with regard to the things that we support. Uh, I learned that from Carl Karcher, the uh, founder of Carl's Jr. Restaurants, and now they own Carl's Jr. and Hardee's and others. Uh, very devout Catholic, very pro-life used to have people show up at his Carl's Jr. headquarters in Anaheim, California. That was right, it, there was a restaurant right in front, of course. And people would picket at that restaurant all the time. And, you know, you, you, you hate women and blah, blah, blah. And finally, he you know, wrote an op-ed, I think, in the Orange County Register to the protesters saying, look, if you, don't, if you want to get my attention, don't spoil the experience for the people who don't have a problem with the way I do business or run my personal life. If you want to get my attention, don't buy my burgers. I'll look at the bottom line and see that we aren't making any money or not as much as we used to, and that will get my attention faster than any other <clears throat> protest or movement or this, that, and the other thing. Well, I, most businesses would tell you that is, in fact, the case. And I'm not a big, you know, let's go protest person, but rather the kind of person who would say, hey, you know what? Um, uh, if you don't like the way someone does business, the first way you can get their attention is stop doing business with them. Now, you'll recall that earlier this year, uh, Target stores went all in. They've been going all in for quite some time on uh, LGBTQ issues, a lot of rainbow wear and things like that. It seems like every year in June, there's more and more of this representation, as it were, in the stores. And what's interesting to me, of course, is people still shop at Target all the time. I mean, you know, they, 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 there was a point where... They were trying to do away with their, uh, remember they, they, they didn't have uh, gender-specific bathrooms or dressing rooms anymore. And so anybody could go into, like if you're in the girls department and you're trying on clothes, a guy could go in and change there and either say, I, I identify as a woman or I'm just going to change here. And Target wasn't enforcing that. And that caused a huge backlash and Target stock value was cut in half. And I mean, it just it, they, they really experienced a huge loss. I think this was the summer of like 2017, 2018. Well, over the course of the past five years, though, Target stock prices have gone back up again and people have been buying, you know, stuff at Target. Their earnings have been pretty healthy. This year, though, Target got a lot of criticism for a couple of things. During Pride Month, first of all, they took all their rainbow LGBTQ stuff and they literally put it in the front of the store. Like you walk in the sliding double doors, get your shopping cart and boom, there was a big old display. And, you know, that was very offensive to some people. Then it was the selections of things. It wasn't just, you know, uh, here's a card, here's a T-shirt, whatever. It was clothing that was designed to help people who were in one gender and trying to identify as the other. That really messed with some people's heads. So the, probably most infamously is there's a process where if a man is trying to transform into a woman through surgery and hormones and that type of stuff, uh, before he has the final surgery... Um, there's the issue, the obvious issue of the fact that a man's anatomy between the legs is a lot different than a woman's. And apparently there are clothing manufacturers who will make clothing so that you can give the impression or the appearance that you've already 
been reassigned. And so <laughs> handling that situation very delicately. Um, so they had these one-piece bathing suits that made it look like if you were a man and you put on the suit, that you would look more like a woman. And people were offended by that. And then there were clothing choices that were available for children. And at, at some point, people said, wait a minute, this, this just isn't right. Well, Target stores, maintain, they, they, they stood by their, their decision. This is the way we are. We're LGBTQ friendly, et cetera, et cetera. But some of the stores privately started kind of moving the displays to the back of the store, cutting down the amount of inventory. They, they really tried to uh, soften the blow, as it will. But did it work? Well, here's a very interesting statistic. Uh, when Target issued their second quarter earnings report last week. Again, remember Carl Karcher. If you want to get my attention, don't buy my stuff. In the three-month period ending June or July 29th, 2023, for example, in uh, th that total amount was $24,384,000. In the same three-month period that ended a year before, Target sold $25,653,000. That amounts to a 4.9% drop in gross sales from one year to the next. Now, was it just the LGBTQ pride issue? Well, let's take a look, get a running total. Let's look at the six-month average from the first six months of 2023, first six months of 2022. In the first six months of 2022, Target sold $50,483,000 in merchandise. In the same period in 2023, they sold $49,332,000. That is a decline of 2.3% in sales. Now notice that the biggest drop in sales happened in the second quarter. And the second quarter of the year for Target, because of their fiscal year, is actually May, June, July. So Target saw sales drop by almost 5%. What's interesting is then, how Tar Target Corporation Chief Executive Officer Brian Cornell tried to spin the story. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, when you hear the double talk that this guy uses, instead of just stating the obvious, well, it's a reminder for us that we can let our yes be yes, our no be no, and let our voice be heard without having to be rude, offensive, and destructive. I'll, we'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. 
Welcome back to this special Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. I want to say Good News Friday because I'm so anticipating this Friday's movie release of Never Give Up, the outstanding story of Brad Minns, the 1985 Deaf World Champion uh, for the men's uh, gold medal match in the Deaf World Games in tennis. Uh, Brad was down literally two sets to love. He was down five games to love, and he was down 40 love or love 40. He was, I mean, literally down to match point against John Osborne. And he found the courage to dig in, win that game, win the rest of the set, and he ultimately wound up winning the match in over five hours and change. He was really uh, arguably one of the greatest comebacks in tennis history. Never Give Up is in theaters this Friday, and today here on Movie Monday, we are giving away a whole plethora of Never Give Up merchandise. We've got a Never Give Up t-shirt to give away. We've got a Never Give Up, uh, well, the a copy of Brad Minns' autobiography. And we have a commemorative tennis ball from the Never Give Up movie as well. Three different prizes, three different winners, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line uh, to win stuff here on this movie Monday. And if you don't wind up winning one of those three prizes, I've got another great prize package that we're going to talk about in the final half hour of the program today. So just lots of stuff to give away. We were talking about Target earlier, and the Target Corporation released its second quarter earnings report last week. And if you wondered about how Target, you know, doing their let's go woke uh, uh, transgender tucking bathing suit thing uh, was actually impacting their bottom line, it did. Um, as a matter of fact, um, in fiscal 2022 for them, which ends uh, second quarter ends in end of July, um, Target sold 25,653,000 in goods and merchandise in 2022, 24,384,000 in 2023. That's a drop of nearly 5%. That gets everybody's attention. But here's how Target CEO Brian Cornell tried to spin it in the statement to shareholders. Um, our second quarter financial results clearly demonstrate the agility of our team and the resilience of our business model as we saw better than expected profitability in the face of softer than expected sales. Uh, given the recent sales trends, the company has since lowered its full year sales and profit expectations. The company now expects comparable sales in a wide range around a mid single digit decline for the remainder of the year. In other words, did you hear what he said? They basically are saying that 5% drop is going to continue through Christmas. They've heard from enough people. They, they tried to say, oh, yeah, we, we have a much leaner inventory position. Team was able to quickly respond to changing top line trends. Blah, blah. The changing top line trends is people are tired of you shoving LGBTQ ideology down their throats. If there's someone in your world that fits into that category, people are a lot less vocal and militant about it than... than then Target wants us to believe. But brothers and sisters, look, it's really very simple. You don't have to go on social media and rant. You don't have to go to protest. You don't have to hold signs and burn crosses in front of stores. It's really very simple. If you want Target to get the message that you don't appreciate what they're doing with their go woke, go broke mentality, don't shop there. Full stop. It's really very simple. Don't buy products from companies that don't support your values. That's the best way to make your voice known. You don't have to go on a social media campaign saying, I'm dropping Netflix because of whatever. Just cancel your subscription. I mean, it's really very simple. And if you have the subscription, don't complain. I mean, let's let our yes be yes and our no be no. But ultimately, please remember that whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord and we do so 
knowing that ultimately the one job that we have in this culture is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize believers in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the good news, and that is the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You've got uh, Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those of us who remain on the network, more good news to share about relentless joy. Rachel Joy Barbeau, former ESPN sports reporter and host, uh, is going to join me to talk about how to find freedom, passion, and happiness even when you have to fight for it. That's our topic coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things that I admire about people who are resilient is the fact that there is a certain tenacity to, uh, you know, what what happens in a person's life and how you can maintain uh, your, your hope and look forward to the future, even though you have some setbacks. And joining me today here on the program uh, is a woman who knows a lot about that. She's an award-winning broadcaster. She's a podcaster, uh, kind of a record-setting and legendary, if you will, uh, who's now an author who has a book out. Rachel Barbo is with me today here on The Bottom Line, and uh, her, we've got a link for her brand-new book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rachel, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, my friend. Well, we appreciate the fact you're hosting the Joy Starters podcast, and I love that name. It sounds very, very encouraging. Talk about what led you to that point. I mean, can you give me a, a, maybe a 60 to 90 second version of how God brought you to that, that place? Yes, absolutely. I coined the word Joy Starter, and a Joy Starter is somebody who notices joy, spreads joy, and is joy. And, um, and we can be joy starters, you know, um, other people can certainly stand in and be joy starters for us when our joy mm-hmm. is waning, um, when we're having tough moments. Uh, sometimes I think animals can be joy starters. And so it's really this, this idea, hashtag joy starter. And I even made buttons that I'm giving out to people all over oh, nice. the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. And encouraging them to give them to people like when they buy their coffee, when they leave a big tip. When somebody needs joy, give it to them. And um, it's been great. And at the end of each chapter of the book is something called a joy start. And that is where you take what I taught you in the chapter and apply it to your own life. And so Mm. I really do look at this book as like one part workbook, one part journal, one part self-help, one part faith, um, and and a little bit of a, a memoir. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Well, the subtitle of this book, Relentless Joy, is the title, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And, and Rachel, you know a lot about uh, fighting for it, especially when you consider the path that God led you on. Our, all my family members in Alabama will remember that you were part of the great University of Auburn. And the fact that you became the first woman to host a serious XM College Channel program, very first college football playoff national championship game. I mean, th- there's been a lot of trailblazing, ceiling breaking, you know, in your career. And yet at the same time, you were not necessarily, I didn't get the sense that you were doing this for some kind of feminist cause, but rather saying, this is how God made me. This is the, the, these are the gifts that he gave me. And this is where he led me. Talk about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I never set out to break barriers. Um, I never set out to, to break ceilings, uh, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what I did. And I'm so incredibly blessed and, and fortunate that I did that. I, uh, towards the end of my career, I retired in 2019 to do my uh, movement. I'm changing the narrative full time. But before that, I, in seven year stretch, uh, hosted, uh, excuse me, coached 40 young women over a seven year stretch because wow. I didn't have a female, uh, mm-hmm. mentor, Growing up in sportscasting, I just had to make mistakes and, and then learn on the job. And 
And so I didn't have a, a close personal female to look up to. So I wanted to be that for somebody else. I didn't want to die with my gifts and talents. And so right. mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what I did. And yeah, along the way, I made history. You know, I played football, still the only known, known female sportscaster to ever fully participate in a semi-professional training camp. Nice. Um, you know, vote for the Heisman still, hosted the first ever college football playoff championship game for the first five years. And so just incredibly blessed, but a lot of tenacity, a lot of hard work, and a whole lot of Jesus, my friend. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Rachel Barabo is with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Relentless Joy. There's a reason why it has nothing but five-star ratings up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, one of the things that you talk about in that Relentless Joy, of course, the subtitle says it all, even if you have to fight for what's going on. I think oftentimes many people in the body of Christ think that joy is going to happen to them. You know, that it's, it's where God gives you gifts and talents. And, you know, I, I, I don't mean to minimize this, but I think for a lot of people, it, you know, we have a, an antidote for that type of mentality. It's called toddlerhood, you know, where you don't think that you realize the world doesn't revolve around you. But at the same time you do, and you write about this in your book. I mean, when painful situations come our way, we can look at them as the pathway to something greater or something that's going to hold us back. Talk about why many of us in the body of Christ are learning the value of embracing the gift of pain and God's purpose. Yeah, you know, there. I, I will say this to your listeners and to you. I've learned more face down in the mud than I ever have on the mountaintop. Mm. Learned more about myself, learned more about God, learned more about people, learned more about, you know, the depths and, 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 uh, and my strengths that, that God put in my soul. And so, yeah, there is, and, and oftentimes I talk about this in the book, and I, I teach all over the country. I've been, I, I created a movement seven years ago called I'm Changing the Narrative, and I travel the country and speak to colleges and high schools and corporations and Border Patrol and law enforcement. And we talk about using your pain for purpose. Because here's the reality if something painful happened to you, like my parents got divorced when I was young, you know, my mm. mom remarried, mm-hmm. uh, found out I was adopted. Those things, and, and they threaten to, the, the things that hurt us, we have two choices. We can be bitter right. or we can be better. Right. And oftentimes our points of pain are when we're trying to find out what our thing is, what sets our soul on fire, how do we want to serve, how do we want to help others. Oftentimes we can find that courage and that desire right in the middle of that pain. For mm-hmm. example, I, in 2016, there was, a, it was a very dark summer in college football. There was the, you know, the, the scandal at Baylor. There was just on the heels of Penn State. There was domestic violence, mm. sexual violence mm-hmm. all over the country. And I heard a story, and the story reminded me of a, of a young man caught striking a woman on camera, a football player, and it reminded me of the night that I was drug across the house by my hair. And mm. I thought, you know what? I could go and teach men never to let this happen in their presence, to be a king, to mm-hmm. be the kind of man that never would strike a woman or talk ugly to a woman or even allow it in their presence. And so do you see the gift that was born from my pain? I began speaking from that place of pain. And so a lot of us get so uncomfortable, and, and Christians and non-Christians, we're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to feel right. that. I don't want to go there. If you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable, sit with your pain, sit with the triggers, talk to God about it, and say, is there a lesson, God, or some place you want me to serve out of, or something you want me to do that is born from this pain? Oh, my gracious, my friend. Um, there's so much wisdom and growth in those hard places. 
Wow, that's a compelling testimony there and an exhortation at that from Rachel Barbo today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight for It. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As you were sharing that story, Rachel, my my heart was, I mean, the empathy was in overdrive, you know, with regard to that issue and how it's affected my family and especially members of the immediate family as well. And and I can only imagine for you having to report on those, uh, those situations. I remember the call-ins we did here on the bottom line about the Sandusky thing at Penn State and just, you yeah. know, the people who didn't, you know, we had callers calling in just saying, I can't believe it because I don't want to believe it. You know, I, I don't want to believe it's mm-hmm. true. But your exhortation for us to take a look at this and to say, not only we've got to identify this and, and, and exhort other people, challenge them, if you will, biblically, but also there's a certain there's a certain vulnerability to that. And I think that that's we're, we're losing that in the, at least in the media, but especially in the church, being willing to say, hey, this is part of my story too. You write about this in your book, Relentless Joy, the, the, the power of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Talk about why that is so essential. If you're really gonna experience joy, vulnerability kind of goes uh, hand in glove. Because the world ha- will tell us a different message. The world has told men, particularly and women, Men and also those in leadership that you can't be weak. You can't show weakness. Right. You have to compartmentalize and, and speaking to men, man up, shut up, put some dirt on it, keep moving, and dang mm. sure don't show emotion. Mm-hmm. And that idea, especially in the church, but in the world, is killing men in record numbers and people in record numbers. And the truth is, people are not they're not attracted to your perfection. And yet so many of us are a slave to perfectionism. I was at one time in my life. The truth is, is that people are attracted to your imperfections, the Mm. things that you've struggled with, the things that you're not great at, the things that you maybe have a a message from or a testimony from. And and that's where people say, oh, you you too? Oh, you've been Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And, you know, the people that follow me, um, they don't follow me for for. Uh, for the, all these things that are so great about my life, to be honest with you, a lot of them follow me because they know I've been through it, that they can <laughs> yes. relate to me. I've yes. been through the mud. I've been through the muck. Mm-hmm. And they know, hey, she understands me. She gets me. And that's why I'm very, very thoughtful about the message I put out on social media. And it is, hey, here's me when I'm happy. Here's me when I'm sad. Here's me th- when I'm struggling. Here's me when, you know. So I, I'm careful to show my whole life because I want to be teach people this idea of radical vulnerability. And when you're radically vulnerable as a pastor, as a leader, as a talk show host, as an author, as a mom, as a dad, it gives permission to people around you to be vulnerable themselves. It really is a beautiful thing. Oh, my goodness. What an encouraging uh, journey here and what an encouraging story. Rachel Joy Barbeau is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Your brand new book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight for It. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? 
After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Rachel Barbeau is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, inspirational speaker, uh, national movement maker. I love that. And the fact that she's the, also the host of the Joy Starters podcast, which we'll link up at thebottomlineshow.com. Her brand new book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight For It. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I would imagine that one of the things that holds people back, I was just having a bit of a, a informal counseling session with a former parishioner who was going through mm-hmm. the yeah, but cycle, you know, but every mm-hmm. time there were, there are all sorts of problems he's wrestling with. And when I would pr- propose a solution or here's what you learned from it, yeah, it was, but, but, yeah, yeah, but you know, what I'm you know <laughs> now you, you kind of put the, yeah, but you have a chapter in your book called the pity kitty pool. And I would love for you to kind of unpack what that means, because I'm sure there are some people who are saying, but Rachel, you just don't understand. And you would say, there's your pool, right? <laughs> right over there. <laughs> Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, I mean that the great Kay Yao, she was a basketball coach, a women's basketball coach at NC State. Um, and she beat back cancer multiple times. I want to say it was six or seven times. At one point in time, she um, she. Uh, coached from the sideline from a wheelchair. She had no fingernails. Mm. She had no hair. And she won the SB Courage Award years ago, and she did this thing, and she talked about the kiddie pool, and she said, you know, some of us are swimming laps in 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 the pity pool, right? Like we're swimming laps in this, in feeling sorry for ourselves. And she says, look, I am begging you to swish your feet and get out. And mm. some of us, the yeah, but we have spent years in the yeah, but yeah, but you know, you don't get it. Yeah, but no, I have this, but and I'm not taking away from your experience. I'm telling you, I've been through some crappy ones myself and Jesus was always with me and joy came in the morning and there was strength that I found in those things. And believe it or not, it's crazy as it sounds, I wouldn't take back my addiction because I could stand in front of a room full of women who are struggling in a halfway house and say, I've been there. I I wouldn't take back losing everything because it makes me so dang appreciative for clean sheets and a house and groceries and all of those things. And so I wouldn't, I would never take back my husband because I spent so long looking for him and, and Mm. God was, you know, making it all come together. And so I, this message is for anybody who's listening right now who's been in a perpetual state of yeah, but it is your time, it is your time, it is your time to swish your feet and get out. I love it. Rachel Barbeau is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, Passion and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight For It. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, you talk about the need for us to experience miracles in our lives. And sometimes the reason that we don't experience them is, quite frankly, we don't see them. Uh, talk about why it's so important to 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 look for those things where yeah, the, maybe God is working mightily in your life and you're just not aware of it because the miracle didn't come wrapped the way you thought it should. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Ooh, yeah, it's so good. I I, uh, I heard Jensen Franklin 
uh, Free Chapel, my old pastor, I used to go to his church, talk about it. There's a sermon that he talked about. It was basically, you know, unopened gifts, unopened miracles. And the gist of it was how many miracles have we bypassed because they didn't look the way we wanted. They weren't mm-hmm. wrapped in the package that we thought they should be wrapped in. And he gave uh, he gave this story about this young man, and the young man wanted something else and from his father, and he shunned him, and, you know, he's ungrateful. And turns out his father, what he had, he had given him in a, in a package that the, the son was too— to um, self-absorbed or hurt or broken or whatever it may be to look for it was actually a far greater gift and, you know, monetarily and then also to his soul that he could have ever imagined. But he, he squandered it because he didn't he didn't open the package, right? Right, right. And so I, I am so big on on letting people know that the package may come in, in at a different time. It may look different. It may feel different. It may, and, and, but God is asking us to, to step back in, to look, to, to investigate, to say, hey, you. And here's the other thing I've learned about, about people and experiences. You've heard this before. Hurt people hurt people, but healed yes. people also heal people. And, mm. and underneath, anger, anger is only the symptom. It is only the thing that you see at the surface, okay? So I'm married, and I talk a lot about my marriage. You know, if I get angry at my husband, he only sees the anger. What he, what if we're curious enough and we sit with it enough, if we get underneath the surface, he'll see I was angry because I feel lonely or I was angry because I don't feel appreciated or I was angry because I was sad or I was angry because I was scared. Do you see what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and we have to be curious enough to get up underneath that surface. And I think God is calling us to do it. I call it my spiritual shovel, our spiritual shovel throughout the book. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, a lot of times we just think, okay, you know, I'm a Christian. Where's my joy? What's going on here? Where's my miracles? Where's uh-huh. my million? You know, where's my this and that? And and there is requirements of us as believers. We have to get out and be the church. We have to love people. We have to serve people. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we have to do in our own lives to get to that level of joy, of living in a different a different way, and sometimes those things are hard. Sometimes the, that healing is uncomfortable, but that's where that's where the you know the the joy is. That's where the living on a different plane is. And we, but there is something required of us, and that's deep soul work. Yeah, mm, I, I love that concept of doing the work, but also being available to and amenable to what God has in store. Rachel Barbo is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. Relentless Joy is the name of the book, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a chapter that's pretty emphatic, where you talk about how all of this process starts with, and you've got this capitalized and exclamation pointed, and that's the word yes. (laughs) Talk about, I mean, how many people do you encounter, Rachel, who say, okay, I'm just waiting for this, and I'm waiting for this, and whatever, and and you're asking the question, when was the last time you said yes to God, or yes to an opportunity Mm -hmm. that he had? Talk about the value of yes in a culture right now that is so negative toward Christianity, so negative Mm -hmm. toward moral absolutes, and even negative toward the miraculous. Yeah. Well, he's still in the miracle-making business, so there's that. We serve the same God that parted the Red Sea, and I think we forget that sometimes. But so many of the most beautiful things that have happened to me in my life just started with a simple prayer. And I wonder if your audience would would pray it with us right now. And it it is just a few words, and it's, Hear my Lord, send me. Mm, Hear my Lord, send send me. me. Send me. 
send my money, send my opportunity, send my home, if that's fostering a child, if that's adoption, um, we wouldn't have a pro- the problems with the foster system if more Christians would open up their home to children. Right. Um, we wouldn't have overrun shelters, you know, uh, when it comes to animals, if more Christians and people would open their homes. So, you know, I don't know what it is for the people's, and this is, and look, I said in the book, um, Kathy Lee Gifford wrote about in her latest book, you know, there's no word for coincidence in the Hebrew language. Mm. So whoever's mm-hmm. listening to this right now, you were, before there was space and time, God knew that I would be on the show and that we would be talking about this and that you would hear it at this very moment of your life. Amen. And there's something that you're wrestling with right now that you've been telling God, no, or I can't, or I'm not ready, or why me, God, or I'm not prepared, or I'm not educated, or I can't jump, or I'm afraid. And this <laughs> message is, is, I believe, ordained for you right now to say those simple words, the simple yet profound words, here am I, Lord, send me. Amen. Wherever that means, wherever you want me to go, whatever, and, and that's the prayer that I've been praying in my life for the past Seven, ten years. God, wherever you want me. I have my—I heard somebody say, you know, I I do whiteboarding for—I coach people on joy and how to create movement. And and they said, you know, where does God fit in that, you know, two, five, ten-year plan? I said, we make a plan, but that we leave a big old space for God to go in the direction that he wants to go in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. It it certainly is. And and that— if somebody is listening, I just wanted to say this one more time. Somebody's listening today, and my friend, they've been battling with something. And I'm just telling you, if you just release it and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it or what you're going to do or how you're going to use me, but I have the resources, I have the time, and, and or I may not even have the resources, but I know you'll provide. And I was in Jackson Hole one time. This is not in the book. Mm-hmm. And um uh, Whew. And I was worried about uh, speaking engagements and things coming in to be able to pay bills. And we were riding bikes with my mom, who's now in heaven, and my stepdad. It's so beautiful. And we're riding out in the, the Tetons, you know, God's grandeur. Hmm. And I saw these birds, and they were eating. And, and God reminded me, if these birds of the field don't worry that, that they will have food, don't hmm. worry that I will provide for them. What are you doing, Rachel, squandering this moment, worried about what I will do for you and how I'll provide for you. And um, it just hit me square in the between the eyes. <laughs> and, uh, mm. whew, I, I stopped worrying, and I, and I started being where my feet are. And I can close my eyes, my friend, and be with my mom riding bicycles. And oh. I know she's in heaven riding bicycles with God, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to get to her one day. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And what a perfect way for us to uh, experience the joy that you're writing about in this brand new book. Rachel Barbeau, the book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion and Happiness, Even If You Have to Fight for It. And there's great anecdotes in the book. There's just it's very encouraging. It's a very uplifting read. And we have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rachel, thank you for your passion. Thank you for the work that you're doing to help build the body of Christ and build this kingdom in a world that uh, seems to have forgotten what joy is and just chases happiness around, you know, in these little moments, but you're talking long-term. You're playing the long game, that's for sure. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much, my friend. Let's do it again soon. What a fun conversation. What a great dialogue, and uh, what an impressive uh, and encouraging spirit from Rachel Joy Barbeau. The book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness, 
even when you have to fight for it. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And uh, here on this Movie Monday, one more freebie to give away. We've got a copy of Rachel's book. We'd love to place it in your hands at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number that gets you through to the bottom line. You're going to love this book. Um, and I encourage you, if you uh, only caught part of the interview, go back to our podcast and, and listen to the entire uh, discussion because I think if you uh, have had that moment where you kind of feel like you got your knees cut out from underneath you by the rest of the world, um, the joy of the Lord will definitely be your strength and shield. 800-227-5278 for your copy of Relentless Joy by Rachel Joy Barbo. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Rachel Barbeau from ESPN, Cumulus, uh, Sirius. I mean, she's been everywhere. And and I'm so grateful for the work that she, I mean, this is a woman who was the very first female sportscaster to host on the Sirius XM college channels. She hosted the very first college football playoff national championship game there. um, And literally has been talking to hundreds of thousands of fans and students uh, through her, uh, her movement called I'm Changing the Narrative. Her brand new book is called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness, Even If You Have to Fight For It. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have a copy of this book to give away. We're giving it away right now. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I love the fact that one of the things that Rachel talks about in this book is that every one of us has a unique dream that is us just kind of coming to terms with how God has made us, God has wired us. I firmly believe that there are five different attributes of our lives that we have to make peace with. First of it, first of all, our strengths. You know, what do you do well? Then our weaknesses, what could you do better? <laughs> then our liabilities, hey, these are things that are never going to happen, so let's just learn to maintain them. And then there are our talents. Lots of people have a lot of different, a myriad of talents, and a lot of people have similar talents to other people. Might be a talent for teaching or cooking or you know, whatever it is. But then there's the giftedness, and the gift part is just between you and God. It's the one thing, or maybe there are several. A lot of people uh, who are, have one gift might have more. But that gifted part is the thing that you do that you were created to do. And it's amazing how many people will find things that they like to do and say, that's my gift, instead of taking a step back objectively and asking the question, 
if it weren't me, if someone else were doing this and they had these set of traits, would we be encouraging them to share that gift? Rachel has found hers. And I know if you read this book, Relentless Joy, you're going to find yours. It's never too late, brothers and sisters, to discover what that gift part is in your life. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are by now, and hopefully you know how to manage your liabilities, and you know what you're talented at. But that giftedness, it's a special offering that God gives to you, and what you do with it is your gift back to him. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.